0: No matter what we're facing right now, God's already brought us out of it. Boy, I tell you, I wish there was a little bit more faith in this room today. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. When You get a revelation of how good God is. You're not trying to come out. You know that he's already brought you out. And it's just a matter of time. Love on somebody today. Tell them God is good. Come on, rejoice with them for the victory that God's already provided. Heaven is pleased today. Excellent praise, excellent worship. Excellent praise, excellent worship. I want to encourage those that may be in the room today, if you haven't taken step three today, uh, right after the services today, you can take step three and learn more about your purpose and figure out your gifts, your grace, your anointings. We have tests that will help you do that so that you can begin to serve God in the areas where he's graced you and gifted you. And you may even learn some career uh, things about yourself that may point you in a different career path. But, because once you learn how you're wired, how you, know, you can be successful in the way that God's wired you, not just in the church, but also in life. And so I want you all today to turn to 2 Peter, the book of 2 Peter. And I want to look at some key points here that Peter brought out before I give you the title today. When you study an entire book, there's usually key verses in every chapter that kind of give us the context of the entire letter. Now, of course, man put chapter and verse there to help us find things a lot easier, but it's really one continuous letter. So whatever he's saying at the end is usually the conclusion of what he said at the beginning. So we can almost start at the end and then go back and figure out what he meant by that last statement. And usually what a writer says at the end is the most important point. He is trying to make, and so let's look at some things here in our introduction. We want to really look at at four areas here uh, that that Peter in this second epistle here of Peter that he's trying to get across to us, and it's really really encouraging to our hearts. Go to Second Peter chapter one verse fourteen. Right away, he he knows that he's at the end of his life and his death is imminent. And so if you're if you have the U version Bible app, all of these notes I actually. Put them all in there today because I didn't want you to miss this. This is a complete paradigm shift for a lot of us. And so I overextended the notes so that no one would miss this. I, I can guarantee you this is a complete shift from where we've always been to where God wants us right now. Okay? And so the the one thing here he says is that his death is imminent. He knew that. And so in second Peter chapter one, verse 13 14, he says, knowing that shortly. I must put off my tent or my tabernacle just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. How You know, you can know when you're getting ready to leave this earth. It doesn't have to catch you off guard, right? Peter was a person that was close to the Lord Jesus. A lot of cases we might even believe that Peter was Jesus' favorite and Peter was also a pastor. So his perspective is unique. And he says here that my time is short. So, Folks, death doesn't have to catch you off guard. You can be so close to Jesus that he'll tell you when your season is coming. Later on in life. Like well into your 100s. All right, so next thing he says here, he gives a warning that false teachers would seek to lead them astray. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 and 2. He says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will, will be false teachers among you. So he's warning them. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them. And bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow that their destructive ways because of, because of whom the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And so we know that back then there were false teachers. How many know today there are false teachers, right? And the truth that you know is what keeps you away from the error of the false teachers. And then the next point here, letter C, he says here with the hope that they would be mindful of the commandments given to them by the apostles of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the third chapter and let's read verses one and two. says beloved i now write to you this second epistle in both of which i stir up your pure minds by way of a reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us the apostles of the of our lord and savior or of the lord and savior so he's writing to them to put them in remembrance to not forget the commandments that were spoken by all of the apostles of Jesus Christ. Now, I mean, you don't write people to not forget unless they've shown a tendency to forget. I mean, that's all of us. It's very easy to forget what we've learned. Next thing that he says here, his final command, let's drop down to verse 18. The final command here from Peter in this second epistle this aged apostle is at the end of his life and he leaves his readers with this charge. And this charge is for them to grow. He says, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 18. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. So at the end of his life, he's encouraging the church and he's encouraging his readers to grow. How many of y'all know none of us have arrived? (laughs) Let me try this out. I mean, y'all know none of us have a rock. And the moment we sit around like we can't learn something anymore, I mean, that's a dangerous place to be when I've heard it all. Because hearing it and actually knowing it are two completely different things. So at the end of his life, he encourages his readers to keep growing. And so today, we're going to start a new series that really, I believe, my ministry starts today. This is just really what God has called me to do. I spent a whole year studying one subject. This one, I've been studying for weeks now. And I just believe it now launches me into what God has called me specifically to do. And I'm just excited to share from my heart to your hearts what I believe the Lord is showing me. And so we're going to talk about for the next several weeks the subject of grow. We're going to talk about grow. Okay, He said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he didn't just say grow any kind of way. He told you actually how to grow. Grow in grace and then grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, now two questions we'll answer What does it mean to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Second question is, How do I know I am growing in this knowledge? How many of those are two good questions, right? How to grow in it, and then how do I actually know if I'm growing? How do I know that? What does that look like? We're going to talk about that today. So today, again, we're going to introduce a new series entitled Grow. And so now, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses, 1, or verses 5 through 8. What I love here is Peter or God didn't leave us to wonder how he wants us to grow. Now, what's unique here is that he actually left us a system and a pathway that he actually desires for us to grow. Okay, and you'll see how this makes sense as we go through it. Look at verses 5 through 8. He didn't leave us to wonder about this. He actually left us how he wants us to grow. It says here in verse 5, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, knowledge. To your knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, Godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. Then he says, for if these things are yours and abound, the King James Version says, if these things be in you and abound, we'll talk more about that, then you'll neither be barren, which means unproductive, nor unfruitful, or your life lacking fruit in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So how many know we're supposed to be productive? And our lives are supposed to produce fruit. How many of y'all believe that? And listen, not productive every five years. Productive every day. Every day production. Right? If you just keep it in the terms of money, rich people make money every day. Poor people make money every two weeks. It's a different way of thinking, right? And so, the, the God desires for us to be productive every day and fruitful every day. Somebody say, I can be productive every day. I can be fruitful every day. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Say, I can be productive every day and every day I can be fruitful. That's the will of God for your life. That you're productive every day, not just when tax return season comes. I know we have tax return every day. And you're going to be surprised. It has nothing to do with you having to sow a seed. It has everything to do with you building a relationship. Oh, Lord Jesus. And it's because of the relationship that I sow a seed. But if I sow a seed without the relationship. All right, let's keep going. So we're going to learn what it means to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And there are three key areas that we're going to talk about today. And, And today I'm just introducing this. So we'll get further into it as as the weeks go. We'll actually dissect each one of these. But I want you to listen to me. This is actually how he designed for us to grow. It would be crazy for me to go to Ford Motor Company and tell them how their vehicle was supposed to work. And they built the vehicle. Right I can walk in Tesla all day long and tell them, no, you, you did this wrong. This is how you need to build your vehicle. Listen to me. We should not go to God and tell him how he designed us to grow. Because the one who created us knows how we, we're supposed to grow. Okay? If you're watching uh, today uh, on any of our social media streams, we welcome you. Stay through all the way to the end because this is going to be a great blessing, life-changing, life-defining moment in your life. Three key areas here. Letter A here is it is the development of eight graces, or I like to say it this way, the development of all eight graces. How many of you you need a complete game? So the development of eight graces. Now, this is interesting here. So we we have some growth experience classes here. I'm telling you, this is interesting here. Watch this. The number eight in the Bible signifies resurrection. It signifies regeneration. So when a person gives their life to Christ, how many know they've been resurrected from their old life and now they need to be regenerated? Listen to this. It is also the number of new beginnings. So almost what God is saying here is that the moment we give our lives to Christ, we need to grow this way. Right? And if we've been saved a long time, we need to go back and regrow this, this way. All right? Stay with me. So these graces are listed in verses 5 through 7 that we just read. So let's briefly define them. Okay, let's briefly define. Faith is conviction. It's strong assurance. It's trust in God. You remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty-two? He said, "Have faith in God." Believe it or not, folks, all your faith should be in God, not stuff. See, so instead of putting an image of your dream house up, why don't you put an image of how to grow in God up? And he'll lead you right to your dream house. Come on, somebody. Right? And so faith is a conviction. It's a strong assurance. Virtue, that's moral excellence and goodness. And in a moment, you're going to see why they are actually in the order that they're in. Knowledge is correct insight. I mean, you can know a whole lot, but you've got to have the correct information. Self-control is self-discipline. Perseverance is the ability to bear up under trials, and I added this, with a smile on your face. Right? Because you already know you're coming out gold on the other side of that. So somebody else going through the same thing would break them down, and here you are having a breakthrough in the moment of the worst trial of your life. You're shouting and giving God the glory. Godliness, which is godly character, but it's really it's birthed out of, out of a devotion to God. And then brotherly kindness. It's love towards the brethren. Believe it or not, folks, we're supposed to treat each other better than anybody else in the world. Right? These are two different things. And then he said love, which is agape here, which is active goodwill towards others, whether they're saved or unsaved. Right? And so it's just like our families. I have to love my family first, right? But then I also have to love the world. So now note carefully, let's dissect this a little bit. Look at verse 8 here. Look at what verse 8 says here. It says, for if these things are yours, King James Version says, in you and abound. So, So we're talking two different things here. The word abound means to increase. So he's saying, this has to be in you. It can't be in your head. How many know it has to be in you? How do we know it's in you? Because we see it increasing out of you. Right? So he says, if these things be in you and abound, then you'll neither be unproductive nor unfruitful or lacking fruit in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So then we must abound in these eight graces. We can't just know them. We have to abound in these eight graces. And then only then can it be said that we are growing in our knowledge and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so how do we recognize growth is that these things are coming out of us in moments when we know we would have acted a different way. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You almost will replay in your mind. Now, I know just... Four weeks ago, I would have hauled off, and but today I walked in love. I mean, you know, that's evidence that it's in me and it's abounding out of me, right? So we must abound in these eight graces. Peter is talking about increasing and growing in a fuller and personal knowledge of jesus christ so which comes from developing these christ-like attributes Uh, so now we've heard a lot of people say you know the message of grace let me tell you where i've grown to grace is not a message grace is actually the gospel grace is a person and his name is jesus and so when you talk about new testament that's all you're talking about It's Jesus. And who is Jesus? The grace of God. What makes him the grace of God is that he gave his life when we didn't deserve it. Somebody ought to lift their hands and thank God right there. That, that while we were, yet, if that's not grace, I don't know what is. That while we were yet sinners. And so, letter B, this involves more than just an intellectual knowledge. You know, you can go to seminary school, Bible school. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of people that can just hermeneutics. I mean, mean, they can break down, but that doesn't mean they have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, we know a lot of people that can get up and just cut it up, lay it down. But then we hear stories about their life away from that situation. And so we're not talking about an intellectual knowledge here at all. And this is evident by the Greek word used for knowledge in verses 2 and verse 3 and in verse 8. And so the word used for knowledge is epignosis. Epignosis means to become thoroughly acquainted with, to, to be in a relationship, to know thoroughly. Watch this. To know accurately. And to know well, according to Thayer's Bible Dictionary. Now, I can say that I'm in a marriage, right? I can say that all day long. I can be married but not know my wife intimately. People do this all day. They can do this for years. Right? Can be in a marriage but not know each other. I mean, you can be saved, you can have one experience, but still don't know Jesus. Well, how does my wife know that I know her? She doesn't have to tell me multiple times what to do. Matter of fact, I grow to a place where she doesn't even have to tell me anymore. I know to take the garbage out, wash the dishes after she cooks. Change the water when the water runs out. How I many know I'm demonstrating to her when I don't do these things that I don't really know her. Because I'm not taking into account how that's impacting her. How that's hurting her heart. See, I can be saved, but if everything I'm doing is not what my relationship has defined with Jesus... I can spend the majority of my time hurting his heart. Watch this. And think I've got a relationship with him. Can I get three good hallelujahs in this place today? <laughs> now, let's just, think, let's just think about this in the natural. How long is Patricia Elizabeth Gregory going to live like that? Not too long. I know her. Not too long. Yeah, but look, what about the other side of that? What if I'm coming home and there's nothing to eat? I walk in, she's looking at me like, what you looking at? You better open up them cabinets and see what's in there. You on your own today, buddy. So she, We're in a marriage. We don't know each other. See, so then now what ends up happening, we're just existing. We're roommates. But watch this. I keep going home just like I keep going to church. Not even realizing that I'm in something that's not growing. Now, let's ask ourselves the follow-up question. If it's not growing, then what is it doing? Two good hallelujahs right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. You all want a little bit more of this today? All right. Let's keep following this thought now. So, notice the word add here. It's so important. See? So important in verse 5. He says, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, this word add here is huge. I don't know why I never looked that up. But he said add to your faith. In other words, your faith by itself is not enough. Or you wouldn't have to add to it. Right? So if all we've been taught is faith, how I many of we can be lacking seven other areas that's impacting our faith? All right. So he says here, Add to your faith. This word add here is huge. So before each grace is mentioned, this word is implied. Every time before a new grace is mentioned, this word is implied. So it must mean something. It must be important. It must be there for a reason. So it goes on here, or, or the word in Greek, very difficult word to pronounce, but it's epicheregio. How'd I do with that? That's good enough for me today. <laughs> the spelling is right there on your version Bible app. Listen to this, though. Originally, didn't that music department sound good today? Yeah. Man, didn't they sound good? Yeah. Did you notice the harmony? Yeah. Right? If the band is off, then the singers are off. Yeah. Right? But watch this. The band could be on. And if the singers are off, it doesn't sound right. This word add here originally is found in support of a chorus. To lead a choir or to keep in tune. Then to supply or provide. So the word suggests the idea of each grace working in harmony with the others to produce an overall effect. Each grace. And so anyone missing is going to mess up the entire harmony. So this implies then, well, well let's, let's look at it another way. Look at also the word to here. Look at verse 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. I won't read it all, but notice it'll say after the word add, you'll see the word to there every single time. Every single time is not just add, but it's add to. And so, to is a preposition. And we know prepositions comes before nouns and pronouns, right? They kind of set it up to prepare you for phrases. Watch this. This implies then each grace is to temper and make perfect the grace that goes before it. So in other words, until I perfect one, I cannot move on to the next one. So let's illustrate this point a little bit because I'm ju- I just learned this right along with what I'm sharing with you all. Let's illustrate this point a little bit. Notice to knowledge, it says add self-control. So the grace of self-control enables you to apply the knowledge that you have. Does that make sense? We say and see it all the time, right? Person knows or not, but doesn't live much. Right? Because he didn't develop or she didn't develop self-control. So, right, the information does me no good if I don't have self-control. Look at another one, and we're going to continue to build on this. To self-control, he says, add perseverance. So self-control, in turn, needs the quality of perseverance, watch this, to be consistent day after day. Right? I can't be self-controlled one day if I don't have perseverance, right, the next day. I mean, I'm getting ready to have an up and down experience. All right, how many times have we said, and is it okay if I just take my time? How many times have we said, what happened to such and such? They lacked perseverance. They couldn't stick it out. See, Christianity is about how long can you hang. Watch this. I can say all day long, we'll be married 20 years this November. I can say all day long for 20 years I've been faithful to my wife. And if I don't keep growing in perseverance, self-control, I can jack it up in year 21. Then all those 20 years we spent building something gets destroyed, not because I lacked faith. I lacked self-control. I never developed perseverance. Now, this is going to shock you when we get into this. You don't develop perseverance on the mountaintop. You got to go through something. that's when all the other ones kick in. Everybody can shout on the mountaintop. But what are you doing down in the valley? I need four good hallelujahs right there. (laughs) Of course I love my wife when the money is good and the bills are paid and we're getting together all the time. What about when a little challenge hits your house? See, my wife would tell you, I tease her all the time. One of the things I love the most about her, Al, is when I lost my job, I didn't have no money coming in. She didn't leave me. I tease her all the time. Listen, not at one point did she put me down. Did, not at one point. I know you're going to find out a lot about your marriage when no money is coming in. Somebody in here know what I'm talking about. See, it won't have nothing to do with the marriage. It's my inability to develop. See, I have to grow individually in this marriage. I'm not responsible for her growth. She's not responsible for my growth. We both have to grow together so that when life comes, we're both prepared for it. Oh, one one will be acting right and the other one will be acting a fool. I'm just taking my time. You all getting anything out of this this morning? I'm trying to make it as plain as I can so that you can understand. Coming to church doesn't help you grow, they're professional church goers. But what God wants you to become is a professional church grower. You're waiting on the next message. That's too late. You got six days in between that you need to be developing on your own. So if it's just one day, watch this. Let me just make it plain. Eat one meal a week. See how strong you are. Right? You know that one. You got revelation on that one because you eat three to six times a day. Say, Pastor, you don't need to preach on that one. I got that one down. I got that one down. So imagine in the natural, I feed my body six, three to six times a day. But how much am I growing spiritually? You all want a little bit more of this today? I'm just introducing, not even into the message yet. Wetting your appetite, okay? So then, therefore, each grace is necessary. They must all be developed in conjunction with each other. We cannot be selective and just pick the ones that we like and leave the others behind. Right? So if you look at the church over its history, what have we developed in? Faith. We don't have a faith problem in church. We have a self-control, perseverance, godliness. So you'll see the church is fully developed in faith can believe for anything. But how many people are actually living right? Stretch your hands up here towards me right now. I feel, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling something right now. Stretch your hands up here towards me. And say, Father God. Help him, Help him to not look at our faces. <laughs> I received that. Thank you for that, Jesus. All right. So where we're going with this, folks, we've mastered as a church community going to church. We have not mastered growing. Right? We've taught faith till we're blue in the face. We all know that. Right? Faith is not our challenge. That's why he said, add to your faith. Faith is the first thing, but it's not the only thing. Right? So then clearly I could have faith, and then these other areas end up destroying whatever it is that I believed for. All right. So, last letter here must be done with all diligence. And if it's okay, I'm just going to take my time, and it'll take me two weeks to just introduce this to you. Is that okay? Instead of rushing, trying to get all of this in in one Sunday, just take my time. We got till Jesus comes back anyway. My pastor, Apostle Price, he always tells me there's, there's certain subjects. Now, I won't do this, but he said he'll take 52 weeks. 52 weeks on one subject. But it gets so into the people. So this must be done with all diligence. Okay, listen to these, these thoughts here. Notice the repeated use of the word diligence in verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and in verse 10. Notice in verse 5, it says, giving all diligence. Then in verse 10, he says, be even more diligent, right? So he's saying, whatever effort you've given up to this point, give more than that. Because, see, this is for you. This is not for anyone else. This is about your life. So it literally means, diligence here means earnestness. It means zeal, sometimes with haste. To grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ's church requires much effort. And it's a daily effort and discipline that you have to have or your life will look the same way it looks right now this time next year. You have to be diligent. We don't accidentally or naturally develop these graces. See, I think sometimes we, we get saved and we're like, send it on down, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus. You can pray till for eight hours and you won't develop these graces until you study. Are you listening? So sometimes we gotta study and pray, pray and study. We get up and we pray. What about our study time? Right? Because if all I'm doing is praying, I'm on fire, but I don't have no information. So when something hit me, all I know to do is pray. Hey, Nothing changes because I don't know anything. Watch this. But I prayed down fire from heaven. That's all that happened was fire came down. Nothing changed. Right? We we say it all the time. That was a powerful prayer service. It wasn't powerful if nothing changed. So we don't accidentally or naturally develop these graces. We develop these graces on purpose. He's given us a systematic way to do this. We're going to talk about So if we're not careful, we can be like the teacher. Listen to this illustration right here. There's a story of a woman who had been a school teacher for 25 years. When she heard about a job that would mean a promotion, she applied for the promotion or the position. However, someone who had been teaching for only one year was hired instead. She went to the principal and asked why. The principal responded, I'm sorry, but you haven't had 25 years of experience as you claim. You've had only one year of experience 25 times. (laughs) During the whole time, the teacher never improved. She never grew. You know, it's impossible. It's it's, you know, it's possible to have been saved 30 years. And your life still looks the same 30 years later. That won't happen at linked up church, though. I'm talking about people who go to other churches and and people that we know. But I'm telling you, I promise you, I can go back in some places and I know that same person is sitting in their favorite seat. That they've been sitting and shouting in and running around and, and all that. But their life has not grown much. In the 30 years that they've been, they've heard some of the greatest teaching, greatest messages, no personal growth and development. Over time, people just like hearing good messages. Let me hear what he's going to say today. That's all they want to hear is how it's put together. Not for personal growth and development. So we don't want to be the person who's had one experience the same one experience for 25 years. How am y'all glad you came to church today. In the anointing of Arsenio Hall. These are things that make you go. Listen to this. We may have been Christians for a number of years. But unless we add to our faith these Christ-like qualities with all diligence, we are simply repeating the first year over and over and over again. Now, I want to challenge you today as I close. I'll stop right there and pick up the second half of my introduction on next week. I want to challenge you to look at how many years you've been saved. And I want you to ask yourself the question. I want you to be serious about this. How much has my life grown and how much has my life changed in the 20 years that I've been saved? Am I still struggling with cussing? Am I still lying? Come on, do I still sleep with people I'm not married to? Right? Come on, am I still in trouble financially? 20 years later, why'd it get so quiet in here? (laughs) Come on, because that's not us. You all should be saying, yeah, that's right. And be honest with yourself. Listen to this, because church will never change you. You change you. going to shock you folks you can go to counseling you can go see the best ones in the world and it's not going to change your life or your marriage you can just say i want to go see doctor whoever it's all you can say if your life changes it's because you changed it and folks i just believe with all of my heart we need to take our lives more seriously I really believe that with all of my heart. We got to get to a place where we're tired of talking about it. But we actually live it in our lives. I want every person in here to know what it's like, man, to believe God for something and see it manifest in your life. I want every person in here to walk in divine health all the days of your life. I want every person in here to know what it's like to work it, walk into a car dealership and they ask you, which one of these financing options would you like? And you say, none of them. And then they look at you, well, then how are you going to pay for it? And you say, cash. Man, I want everyone in here to experience a marriage that's like heaven on earth, where you're not fighting and arguing with each other. Come on, somebody where you can't stand to be in each other's presence and environment, that you'd rather be out of the house than in the house. I want every marriage to look forward to coming home because I really, genuinely love the person that I live with. And, folks, that's what he died for, was you to have all of that and some. You've got a bright future, but you control the results of that future. And it's not automatic, as you can see over how many years you've been saved. I want to say this to the viewing audience. Some of you all can actually be here. What am I saying? We did not create Facebook Live and Periscope so you could stay home. Yeah, you, I'm looking directly at you right now. Type amen in there right now. Say, pastor, you preaching to me right now. Put that in there right there so we can read it later. Say, I received that. Why not? Because Hebrews chapter 10 says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. Watch this, listen to me. So it could be an end time distraction. It was used as a tool to reach the world, but the local audience is supposed to be in the building. Okay. That's a part of my growth. Don't you listen to me? Listen to me very carefully. It says, Not forsaking the gathering, listen to this, of yourselves together, listen to what it says, as the manner of some is. But as you, you see that day approaching, so the closer we get to that day, the more we're supposed to be spending time with each other. Watch this. I can study about love all day long, but I need people to grow in love. I need somebody to rub me the wrong way. I need somebody to say something to me sideways to grow in love. I need to get up out of my seat and come back and you sat in it. Come on, somebody. I need to, I need to be sitting there waiting on a parking spot, and you pulled in it while I was sitting there waiting on the person to come out. And then be able to pull myself all the way back and and say, you know what? God's got a better parking spot for me. Instead of putting my car in park, getting out, going and banging on their window. You saw me sitting here all this time. I can't grow in this stuff if I don't get around people. So I'm challenging all of you all that's 10 minutes from here. Right in Marietta, Smyrna, Powder Springs, Mableton. Get out of the bed. Hello? I'm in, Pastor, signing in. Good morning, everybody. Get up and get your good morning self right down here to the house of God. Come on, let the church say amen in this place. And we won't, if we're not careful then we'll use the tools that God actually used for a different reason to justify. (laughs) You all get anything out of this today? Man, I'm so excited. I might just jump off of this stage. Can I just do a cartwheel right now? Is it okay? I'm so excited. Can I just do a cartwheel? I I won't do it right now because I don't... At 50, I don't know if I'll come all the way over. You, you know how you get right in the middle of that and it might come down on me. Let's all stand to our feet today. We'll finish out the introduction on next week. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet, lift our hands to the Father. I believe one of the most important messages the Spirit of God has ever given me. My ministry begins right now I've now been through everything I had to go through to get to this point and now I'm getting ready to step into what he's called me to do with authority hallelujah part of my calling folks every pastor has a bent you think about Kenneth Copeland you think about righteousness think about Creflo Dollar you think about prosperity and now grace when you think about Joel Gregory, you're going to think about growth. You're going to think about relationships. Because that's what I'm going to challenge you to do for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. 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 So let's all lift our hands to the Father today. And my prayer for every person in this room is that you are no longer satisfied with the status quo. You are no longer satisfied with coming to a building and never seeing your life change. You're no longer satisfied with being in the same spot for 20 years. You're ready to see production, and you're ready to be fruitful in every area of your life. Not just your work life, because some people are happy just making money, but your marriage life, you're raising your children, your relationships with your family members and friends. God wants you productive and fruitful in every single area of your life. And so, Father, as you'll challenge us over these next eight weeks or so, may we all be motivated for personal growth and development. And may we take each one of these eight graces and begin to flush them out in our lives until not only are they in us, we're increasing in them, but they they will abound out of us. And, Father, you've given me the blueprint to give to the people. And may they take the blueprint and make it their own. And not stop until they've developed all of these graces. Because you said that if we'll do these things, we'll never stumble or fall. So while you're in that attitude of prayer today, I don't know where you're at on your journey. I don't know where you're at in your personal relationship with God. What I do know is that God loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And his desire is to see your life better than whatever it is right now. The best way to do that is by having a relationship with his son. So if you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with and for you today. I want to invite you to come and be a part of the family of God today. Come and be a part of a wonderful family where your father holds the universe in his hands. He not only can fix all of your problems, he's already fixed, solved, and delivered you from them. You just need to come into that revelation and realization. So if that's you today, you've never given your life to Christ, I want to pray for you. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I've already given my life to Christ, but I haven't grown much. And it's evident by the fact that I just keep going out and doing things that I know are not pleasing to my father. I'm in a relationship, but I haven't grown in this relationship. Well, if this led you to do things that are completely contrary to what he defined as a healthy relationship with him, what you need is repentance today. You need to come back and learn repentance and how to transform your thinking so that you can change your behavior. Some churches call that being out of fellowship. Other churches call that being backslid. What we're saying is you need repentance. And so if that's you today, you want to come back to Christ, I want to pray with and for you. Thirdly, you might be in this building. You might say, Pastor, I've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, Bible evidence of praying in other tongues. If you want to learn more about that gift today, I want to pray with and for you. And then finally, if you don't have a church home, God gives pastors to help you grow. Every sheep needs a shepherd. So if you don't have a church home or you're in between churches and you believe this is where God has led you, this is where he wants you and maybe you and your family planted We'll be happy to receive you. We promise you. We'll pray for you every single day of our lives. Every time you come in this building, our goal is to make sure that you hear the Word of God and the Word of God only. So now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moves.